Hello, this is Deanna Heron, and welcome to the Deanna Heron Podcast Show. This podcast is created for the woman who wants to be bold in who you were created to be, to shine bright with grace. My goal is to empower you to become the greatest version of yourself through interviews with successful women entrepreneurs, through question answer sessions, and tips from myself in my 22 years of leadership and entrepreneurship. So let's dive in to the greatest version of yourself. Hello, and welcome back to the Deanna Heron podcast show. My name is Deanna Heron, your host. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, this podcast is designed for men and women who want to be authentically you. And I give you tips, I do interviews, and really teach you how to become that best authentic version of you. And I felt like it was time for you to understand who I am and what I'm about. Before we get started on the podcast, I want to read a couple of the reviews from the last week, and thank you so much for taking the time to do that. That means the world to me. You know, we all need to hear a little bit about how we're doing, but more than anything, you guys, what your reviews tell me is they tell me that you are receiving some value that has impacted your life. I've had a challenge going. And we have chosen out of the hat the person who gets the one-on-one coaching call with me. And her name is Kylie Fred. I'm going to read her review. Um, And this is what Kylie says. Y'all need Deanna's truth bombs in your life. She must be a Southern girl, y'all. I can relate to you, Kylie. She's filled with so much wisdom and grace. I look forward to her podcast every week. I'm always excited to sit at her feet and listen to what I sometimes don't even know I needed that day. Thank you, Colleen. Thank you to all of you who took the time to write those rates and reviews. Um, on today's podcast, I'm going to share something that's really near and dear to my heart, and that is my story. It's my story of kind of my upbringing, where I've come from, where I've been, and a little bit about my personal struggles and obstacles. 8 2016 was the day I heard God tell me, Deanna, you are not owning your story. You're not owning your story. You need to own your story. And I have to tell you, for years and years and years, I struggled with my story. I knew what my story was, but I struggled. I struggled and I hid behind a wall of shame, a wall of fear and insecurities, And a wall, the biggest wall, is worrying about what other people would think of me. But in my heart of hearts, I knew that I needed to walk through those walls, push through those walls, and become the person that God created me to be. So 828 was the day I heard the call. 829 was my, 828 was also my last day to drink alcohol to have wine. And so my sobriety date is 829 and I'm celebrating five years of sobriety. I'm going to try not to cry. I didn't think this would hit me like this. So, um, wow, it was a little bit more touching than I thought it would be. Um, So five years of sobriety, that means I've been alcohol free for five years. 
And you guys, you may not struggle with alcohol. You, you may struggle with, with drugs. You may struggle with food. You may struggle with gambling. You may struggle with Amazon shopping. Um, maybe it's binge watching. Maybe it's sleeping just to, get, just to get away from what you really need to deal with. But whatever it is, I want you to know you don't have to hide behind the shame the insecurities, and people's opinions. So what I want to do today is just give you a little preview of my my life and how I got to where I am today. I truly do not um, look back and go, gosh, I wish that my life could have been different. I can tell you truly from my heart of hearts, I don't wish my life were different. I love my life, and I know that I know that my journey is a journey because I need to help so many other people through my story. So I'm just going to go through just some highlights of my story so you'll you'll understand who I am and, and where I've come from. So, um, you know, I, at a very young age, my mother and father divorced. My father was not in, in, in the home. So that was one uh, small trauma. Could have been a, a large trauma. I don't know, but it was, it was a trauma. Um, and... At 12, my mom divorced her second husband, and it was it was devastating. It was absolutely devastating because not only was my security taken away from me, that home that I knew, we were moving to a different state, and there, there were lots of different things that were, that were happening along that time. I had two younger brothers, and I became really responsible for my brothers, and so I grew up really fast at that time, and didn't really know how to deal with the emotions that I was experiencing at age 12. And so, believe it or not, at age 12, I took my first drink of alcohol. My parents were away. We'd never had it um, in the home. My mom had been, was dating somebody else, and he was drinking alcohol, and it was in our home. And so, they were away, and I thought, we. Ha- I had a party, of all things. I was a, I turned into a rebel, <laughs> Um, during that time, and I took my first drink of alcohol, and I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, I feel happy. I feel happy. And for the first time in a long time, you guys, I hadn't felt happy because of all of the different things that were happening in my life, that the disconnect from my fam- my core family environment, from now having a, a different man that my mom was dating, and taking care of my, my brothers, etc. So, I just remember feeling happy. And so alcohol wasn't a huge part of of my life um, at age 12, clearly. But I just, that was the first time that I I actually thought, wow, this is different. I feel happy. And so I don't know if my brain started to think, oh, if I want to be happy, I drink alcohol. I'm not quite sure. But there is definitely a history of alcoholism in my family. Um, lots of addiction, etc. My mom is one of 10 children, and with the exception of two of her siblings, they all have some kind of alcohol or drug addiction. So it clearly runs runs in my family. <clears throat> so I remember having my first blackout at age 16, um, but it was really interesting because I wasn't a huge partier when I was in high school, but I did have a blackout. But I could also have a few drinks and stop. Um, But my first blackout occurred when I was 16. 
I was on my own by the age of 18. And when I mean by on my own, I was fully self-supporting. I was working. I had paid for my car. I was paying for my apartment. Everything that went in the home, I was self-supporting. And I think it was because I definitely wanted to have a different life. I wanted to find that safe space. I wanted to find that security that I wasn't necessarily feeling. And I wanted to be responsible for myself instead of so many others. And so I just started my life on my own. I had a desire to go to college. I was the first in my family to graduate from high school. And so I was definitely the first to go to college. And I was absolutely clueless. I made good grades when I was in high school because that is the way that I sought attention was by succeeding, by being the best of the best, by being perfect, et cetera. But I, you know, I made really good grades when I was in high school and I desperately wanted to be something in the health field. I just didn't know what direction that would be, especially since I was supporting myself. So I waited tables through, through college and there came a point where um, I was really learning more about how to party than I was learning in college. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm paying for my school, my, my own college, and I'm not going. I'm not attending. I'm not giving my best. I pulled away from college at that time, and I really learned how to party. I really learned how to drink at that time. And it was um, it was probably two or three years of really hitting it, hitting it hard. And by the grace of God, truly, I'm here today to speak to you because those were some some really difficult times. By the age of 22, I was I was completely done with the lifestyle. I was over it. I was tired of feeling hungover. I was tired of just getting by, and I knew that I had dreams of becoming more. And I had left all those dreams, let them go to the wayside because I, I wanted the fun and drinking was no longer fun. Partying was no longer fun. And I knew that there was something that I needed to do. And there was something in me, and I know that something in me today is God, but there was something in me that I knew drinking was not for me. Every time I put it up to my mouth, I knew. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're coping with something whether it's drugs or alcohol, you know that something is not for you in the way that you're using it. And that is deep within you, God, your creator, that is telling you that. But I knew it wasn't for me. And there was something um, that made me cringe every time I decided to pick up that drink. It made me cringe because I knew that I knew that I wasn't supposed to be doing this. So at 22 years eight old, on my own, afraid, unsure, alone, I walked through the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous. And where I got the courage to do that, I I can't even explain it. But I walked through the doors as a 22-year-old of Alcoholics Anonymous. At 22, I knew that there was an issue. I found a very good women's support group and they really, really helped me get through some really, really difficult times. Now, here's what I want you to know. At 22 years of age, I was sober, but I was hanging around with not sober people. (laughs) And I remember there was a time when I was at the bar with my friends, newly sober, and oh, it wasn't the... 
it wasn't the craving. I didn't have the craving for alcohol. The craving for alcohol always came for me once I took that first drink. Because once I took the first drink, I couldn't always stop. Sometimes I could, but the majority of the time something clicked and it was that craving. I couldn't control, I couldn't moderate my consumption. So I didn't have the craving, but honestly what I felt is I had this overwhelming overwhelming feeling of, I'm not a part, I'm different. I'm not participating. What are these people going to think of me? And I took myself out of the situation and I went to the, to the restroom in the bar and I remember sitting in that stall and just going, God, if you are there, I don't know you, but if you are there, I need help right now because I really don't want to live the life that I've been living and I need your help to not even want or desire to partake in what I know is not good for me. I need help. And I have to tell you, I walked out of that restroom a different person, a different person. And that's something that was in me that told me this alcohol is not good for me. It was God. And I didn't know him yet, but I know he was protecting me and I know he was speaking to me at that time. So I left my friend group and I decided to go back to college. That was something else that was, you know, super brave and um, unexpected, but it was just, I was ready to move on. And I know, I knew that I could not move on with the friend group that, um, that I was hanging around with. So I was a year sober. I left and went back to school and decided to, um, I was a year away from getting my, my degree as a, so that I could apply for um, the physician's assistant program. So during that time, I met my husband. No coincidence, right? Your life starts to come together. Um, so I met my husband. And honestly, he is um, he's God-given to me because where I came from and who he is, I know I had grown a lot in that year, but man, this guy was exactly the man that I needed in my life to love and support and nurture and for us to grow together. So we were married when I um, was in PA school. So obviously I made it into PA school and uh, we started a family and life got really busy. I was practicing medicine as a physician's assistant in, ter- in internal medicine. And to be honest, Mark and I were pretty isolated. We were surrounded by friends who didn't drink. Um, so honestly, I wasn't exposed. I wasn't exposed to alcohol. So 10 years of sobriety from 22 to 32 really was not much of a challenge. And I had walked away from my AA group and my support group just because life had gotten busy. No other reason, but I just lost that contact. But when I when I was 32, I decided to have a glass of wine, <clears throat> just a glass. We were at a social event, and I remember thinking, wow, I don't really know. For whatever reason, it's, it's because I wasn't connected to the, the sober group and um, really working on myself. I was just busy being busy as a mom, etc. But I remember thinking, um, 
I don't know that I really ever had an issue with alcohol. I was so young. I was so immature. I've grown so much. Look at me. I have a family. I have a great career. I'm successful. I just think I was so young. And I think now I, I can handle it. And you guys, this is the tricky part about having an addiction. No matter what it is, it's the tricky part. Your mind talks you back into it. At times, if you're not super grounded and haven't grown through the cause of why you're doing the do, why you're drinking, why you're using, why you're overeating, why you're sleeping so much, why you're spending so much, right? And so I really hadn't gotten to the root cause of why I was really drinking. <clears throat> and so that began a journey um, to where I am today, five years sober. So I want you to know in the 55 years, I'm not going to go into all of, uh, of the details, but in the 55 years of my life, I have been sober close to 25 years altogether. So I had a 10-year stint, I had an eight-year stint, a five-year stint, and a few short, you know, couple-year stints, etc. But each time I went back to alcohol, it was because I desperately wanted to fit in. I didn't want there to be anything, quote, wrong with me. And I had been searching and searching and searching for, gosh, there's something wrong with me. So maybe I can find it in my career. Maybe I can find it in my kids. Maybe I can find it in the next thing, the next greatest thing. So searching for that happiness, I was searching, searching. Alcohol definitely was not it. But I couldn't figure out what it really was that caused me to continue to go back. I knew that, um, that I wanted to fit in. I knew there was a stigma of alcoholism and I didn't want that label. I didn't want that label. I didn't want to stand out to everybody else and they go, gosh, you see her? She has the scarlet letter A. She's an alcoholic. And because of my fear of what you would think of me and my desire for you not to see my imperfections, I relapsed several times. That is my disease of people pleasing for sure. But each time I relapsed, there was always something in me that knew drinking's not for you, Deanna. This is not for you. And, um, you know, I'm going to tell you that being able to have a couple of drinks occasionally is what kept me trying to drink moderately because that's what kept coming to my mind. Well, you know what? There's times when you haven't had a drink for a month. You haven't had a drink for a year. And there are times when you can have a couple of glasses of wine and you can stop. So maybe you can teach yourself the discipline that it takes to be able to stop. And so many times I've heard this in my head, but also from other people. And these are some common misconceptions that people think of people who have drug or alcohol issues um, or even food issues, you guys, is can't you just stop at one or two? I mean, can't you control it? Don't you have the discipline to control it? I'm going to be the first to tell you I'm extremely disciplined person. Um, I'm extremely disciplined in what I put in my body. I'm disciplined in exercise. I'm disciplined in my personal growth and development. I have lots and lots of disciplines. Alcoholism is not a discipline issue. Just discipline yourself to stop is what I heard. Switch. I tried switching from 
uh, beer. I tried switching to wine and it didn't matter what it was. Um, there were times when that switch came on and that craving for more, I could not stop until I was just completely obliterated. I, there were times when I tried to drink water in between, uh, you know, drink water in between your cocktail and that will water it down, et cetera, space them out. I've tried all the things, you guys, and my life was complete chaos just trying to moderate. And here's what I want you to know. I think this is very important for people to understand. I was never a day drinker. I never drank alcohol during the day. I was never a morning drinker. And, you know, there were many times when it was just on the weekend. So how could I be an alcoholic, right? Um, and I questioned that so many times. There was a time in my life where I was literally broken. I had had it, but I did not know what the answer was. And you guys, I honestly didn't know that I was drinking because of the traumas, my past traumas in my life. I didn't know that. And I was searching for the answer and, um, right, that's what we do is we search for the answer. And I'm going to tell you, on my journey to becoming sober, I had to learn to unbecome the things and the lies that I was living for so long. The lies that I believed about myself because of past traumas. But there was this time I was um, super down. I was disgusted with you know, drinking and my life and living um, days with hangovers and shame, waking up every day with shame. I was just, I was just tired of it. And I made the decision that um, I was going to, going to start reading the Bible in a year. I had a really good friend of mine who had read the Bible every year for 25 years. And I thought, wow, the wisdom that she must have, the wisdom she must have, <clears throat> excuse me, and what a great example she was for me. And so I started reading the Bible um, in a year, and the Bible starts with Genesis. And so um, I started in Genesis, and I was reading the story of Adam and Eve. Even if you've never read the Bible, I'm sure you've heard the story of Adam and Eve, where they're in the Garden of Eden. And I've read this story many times, heard it many times, but this particular time, it spoke to me in a different way. And just a little background of the story, Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, and it was plentiful. Like there were a plenty of trees. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. There were trees that bear all types of fruit that you could eat from. Um, it was gorgeous. There was so much. I mean, if you can imagine greenery and flowers and just this abundance around birds and animals, etc. And um, God told Adam and Eve that they could eat from every tree in the garden, except for one, one tree. I think it was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And if they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they would die. They would die. And, but there was this abundance of trees in the garden that they could consume. And that hit me in such a way, I thought, Deanna Heron, <laughs> God has given you so much. He has blessed you with so much. There are so many things in this world available to me, to you. 
so many things that are available to us. So why do we focus on the one tree, the one tree that could cause death? And you guys, alcohol can cause me death. I don't know what it is that you do to cope. I don't know if it can cause you death. But why do we focus on the one thing that can cause us guilt and shame and remorse and regret and not living our best life that literally can cause our authentic self to die? Why are we so focused on the one tree that can keep us from being all that we were created to be? And it was like the light bulb came on. I'm focused on the lack And I'm not focused on the goodness, the abundance of my life. Alcohol, (laughs) alcohol is my Goliath. We are all given something that we have to work through. And I'm telling you, if you look at your neighbor and you think their life is perfect, if you look at the person across the street or your coworker or your boss and you think they don't struggle with something, I promise you they do. We all have our Goliath. We all have that. God is my stone. He's the stone in my slingshot, and he is my weapon. He is the one that protects me and keeps me grounded. He's also the one that has helped me shed those lies to find my authentic self. So my struggle has actually become a strength. Alcohol was my escape, actually, from the past traumas, you guys, Um And instead of dealing with that trauma, I drank and I searched for happiness through relationships, through success, through perfectionism, through all different things. And none of it worked. None of it worked. So in my five years of sobriety, like I said earlier, and I want you to really understand this, I have become who I am created to be, not by the search. There have been many things that have helped me but by unbecoming the belief systems of my past. So if drug or alcohol is your Goliath, you can become who you are created to be. There is hope. There is freedom. There is joy. There is happiness. There is gratefulness. There is abundance. And if I can do it, you can too. So... I want you to know, please don't wait until something tragic happens. There are people, I know there are people in your life that are struggling with addiction. I know there are people in my life that are struggling addiction. I know there are people in my life who have lost their life through addiction. My brother was a methamphetamine addict and he died trying to please other people and look okay in this world because he did not deal with the things that were holding him back. And so I want you to know that there is another way out, but it has to start today. It has to start today. Please don't wait until something tragic happens, until you hurt someone, until you get behind a car, you end up in jail, you destroy your family, you lose your job or your home. Today is the day I want you to know that I don't wear the scarlet letter of alcoholism. I wear the letter of sobriety. And you can wear that letter too. There are so many different ways that you can get help. I am happy to share that with you. Um, I have received help through, through coaching, 
through emotional energy coaching. I've received help through Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, I surround myself with sober people. There are lots of sober people that you can follow on Instagram. Um, Just look hashtag sober. And there's a whole world of people who are struggling with drugs and alcohol who are sober today. Um, Hope is Alive is an amazing community that I support and 100% um, believe in what what they do and in the people that they help. I want you to know that Hope is Alive has an 80% recovery rate. So 80% of the people who go through their program stay sober. And and that's pretty amazing. Um, So I will put in the summary of this podcast some, some areas where you can get help if you need it. If there are people in your life who are struggling with addiction, please pass this pass this podcast on. I'm always here to answer any questions. You can DM me. I'm happy to share from my heart some ways that I have been able to deal with this and my life has turned around um, um, in amazing ways. One last thing that I, that I do want to share with you, there's an organization called Heart Connection. I went through their program um, this last year, it's Heart Connection, C-O-N-N-E-X-I-O-N dot O-R-G. Um, amazing program, you guys. Life-changing for me. But also, um, just writing the book, I think, has been just a healing, healing process for me. So thank you for listening to my story. I hope that this has been of great value, and I hope that you have thought of at least one person that you think, gosh, I want them to hear this podcast. So Yay, happy five years to me. Um, Thank you so much for your support, all of you who support my journey. And um, I hope that this has been of great value to you. So once again, you can go and rate and review this podcast. I'm still giving a 30-minute one-on-one coaching call with me. So any topic that you want, if I know (laughs) how to coach you through that topic. So maybe it's addiction. Um, I'm happy to talk to you about that as well. Leadership, uh, personal growth development, health. Those are, those are great topics for me. So go rate and review, and I will talk about the next one-on-one coaching earner next week. And always, you guys, you can be a part of my private Facebook group. It's Deanna's Diamonds. You can go to DeannaHeron.net and just request to be a part of that group. I'd love to have you. God bless you. Look forward to talking to you next Tuesday. Bye, everyone.